Ladies and gentlemen, we present The Big Business Lark by Laurie Wyvern and starring Jimmy Edwards, Frank Thornton and Gwen Cheryl. One of the advantages of being the managing director and chairman of a vast organization like British United Plastics is that you have all the marvels of modern science at your disposal to assist you in making big decisions. As you sit in your penthouse office overlooking the Thames, you have the whole world of invention at your disposal by merely lifting the phone. The only snag is that nine times out of ten, the phone is out of order. In the case of Sir Charles Boniface, who is the managing director and chairman of British United Plastics, his phone is never out of order. It wouldn't dare. <laughs> he knows that uh, if it failed him, he'd open the window, throw it in the river, and yell at the post office tower for a new one. <laughs> However, as even he can't throw the company's computer out of the window single-handed, he's decided to go down to the room where it's housed personally in order to find out from the operator why the thing hasn't yet supplied the information he requested from it ten minutes ago. All right, where is he? Where's the driver of this electronic heap? He doesn't drive it, Father. He programs it. I don't care if he gets two-way family favourites on it. Where is the fool? <laughs> You're calling for me, Sir Charles? No, he was bawling his head off. Well, hang on a minute, you'll probably hear the echo coming back off Tower Bridge. Never mind. Never mind the trivialities about Tower Bridge. Don't interrupt. This is urgent. Now then, you, whatever your name is. Uh, Sidney Potter, sir. Then don't bother me with it. As long as you remember it, there's no need for me to remember it. <laughs> where's this information that I asked for hours ago? Ten minutes ago, actually, Father. Frank, you are hired as a director of this company, not as a walking, talking stopwatch. <laughs> Well, I've fed the relevant information into the computer as fast as I can, Sir Charles, but I haven't had time to switch it on yet. Well, then stop mucking about. This whole thing is urgent. There's a hell of a lot at stake here. Well, yes, sir, of course. I'm in mean, at once, sir, but uh, only I can't, sir. Can't? Why the blaze is not? Well, you're standing in front of the switchboard. <laughs> well, then they should have built it somewhere else. I shall move. There you are, Shotter. Shotter or... Whatever your name is, I get a blast to move on. Potter, that's Never all. mind that. Move! Uh, yes, sir. Are you, uh, are you sure it's feeling well? <laughs> I mean, shouldn't you give it a dose of physic or something? It's nearly finished, sir. Forever, I should think. <laughs> So, so. Well, it's got wind. <laughs> I think Potter meant the answer to your question, Father. Oh, at last. Incidentally, what have you asked this electronic brain that is so vital and urgent? It's vital, it's vital. I'm having lunch with one of the MCC selectors tomorrow. So I thought I'd get this mechanical monstrosity to tell us the best cricket players to choose for the next test match. What? It's not supposed to be used for things like that. Well, too late, it just has been. Now, where's the blasted list, Potter? Sure, here you are, Sir Charles. Good show. Maybe we should have an unbeatable team with this lot. Mm, I don't think so, somehow. Not if the first few names are any to go by. Huh? From the top, Wally Hammond, Herbert Sutcliffe, Harold Lowe. <laughs> all right, all right. Captain Dr. W.G. Grace. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Potter, you great clotter. 
You, you and your mechanical mate have given us a team with a captain who's 121 years old. Well, I'm afraid I'm not really the sporting type, so... That's a pity, because I was just about to invite you to take a running jump. <laughs> Preferably straight into that blasted electronic eyesore. Hello, Frank Boniface here. Oh, is Sir Charles still with you, Mr. Frank? I'm not too sure he's with anybody just at the moment, Edith. He's about six inches off the floor and steaming. <laughs> Will you see if you can catch him before he goes into orbit? I'll do my best, Edith. It's your secretary for you, Father. It looks more like a telephone. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, he's on it. I see. Yes, well, good. All right, Edith. What have you got your bloomers in a twist about this time? <laughs> I don't care what you wore. Come on. Out with it, woman, as they say. What's disintegrated in my absence? I was merely trying to remind you that you have an appointment in five minutes in your office. Oh, have I? Well, if the blasted lift breaks down again like it usually does whenever I get in the confounded thing, I'm going to be late again, aren't I? Went on a diet, it might keep going, sir. Goodbye. What? How do you? What? Hey, wait, come on. I see. But, saucy cat. <laughs> diet. I'll tie a knot in a typewriter ribbon one of these days. <laughs> Better still, I'll spin her swivel seat round until she's four feet off the ground. <laughs> and I'll leave her up there. <laughs> in a mini. Now, come on, Frank. <laughs> we want it up in my office. Terribly sorry you're being kept waiting, Mr. Stokes. I have informed Sir Charles of your appointment. I can only assume that he's been held up somewhere. Probably between the 14th and 15th floor. Oh, that's all right, Mrs. Jarvis. We realise that Sir Charles is a very busy man. Can I get you and your secretary another cup of coffee? Uh, no, thanks. No. Five is enough. Not <laughs> for me either, thanks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my, that's a very heavy cold you've caught. Oh, I haven't caught it. It's the one I had all the time. <laughs> I've had it ever since I was inoculated against catching them. <laughs> well, when was that? Three years ago. <laughs> Poor girl. Oh, it could have been worse. I'd have to be inoculated against hooping cough. <laughs> then I'd have been going... <laughs> as well as talking like this. Oh, Eat it! Edith, you did that deliberately. You bribed the liftman just to prove a point. Oh, it didn't really get stuck again, did it? It did. Just below the 16th floor. By standing on tiptoe, we could just inspect the lino through the grill and watch the shoes of the people walking past. <laughs> Didn't you shout to them? Of course I shouted at them. Naturally I shouted at them. I was ignored by everything from suede creepers to wellingtons. <laughs> My ears are still ringing. Father's voice doesn't half ricochet round the walls of the lift. <laughs> Perhaps we should have a block and tackle erected outside, Father. Uh, then we could hoist you up and down to your office on that. Not <laughs> likely. That would probably get jammed as well. I have no intention of sitting halfway up the building exchanging pleasantries with passing tugmen and bargees. <laughs> now, who are these idiots I'm supposed to see? We, we are, are the child. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Clanger number one. My apologies, Mr... Uh... Uh, Stokes. And uh, this is my secretary. Oh, really? And very charming, too. Both kind of you, Sir Charles. <laughs> Clanger number two. <laughs> Let's go into my private office, shall we? It's through here. Ah, make yourselves comfortable, Sir. Frank, give our guests some coffee. Certainly. Uh, we'd rather not, if you don't mind. We're a wash already. Oh, Edith's <laughs> been having a brew-up, has she? Oh, Excuse me, I'll get that. Hello, Sir Charles Boniface here. 
Potter there, Sir Charles. Then go away, Potter! You know, I've rerun the computer and I've got a fresh cricket team for you, sir. Oh, well, that's different. Hang on while I get a pencil. There's never any pencils on this plastic desk. Oh, thank you, thank you. Fire away! Certainly, sir. Bobby Charlton, Sir <laughs> Jimmy Greaves. Potter, you're fired! So sorry about that, Lillian Now, what can I do for you, Mr. Stokes? Well, uh, we have met before, Sir Charles. Oh, if you remember, my firm makes all manner of holiday equipment. You weren't the company with the plastic anorak problem, were you? I hope. Yes, I was. Oh, dear. Plastic anorak. It's like could... the name of a village in Wiltshire. No, no, no. <laughs> if you can remember, Father, British United Plastics supplied this gentleman's firm with the raw material to make them. Oh, oh did we? Well done, Stokes. Yes. What do you want now? More of the same stuff to make plastic trousers to go with them? I rather doubt it, Father. Mr. Stokes set up a factory to turn out 500 plastic anoraks an hour. Ah, something went wrong, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I can tell by that nasty tone that crept into your voice. Yes, it certainly did go wrong. The factory fed our plastic into one end, and after it had been through the various processes, each anorak came out at the end of the production line and was piled up on top of the last one. Well, what about it? That standard practice in a factory, isn't it? Not quite. For some reason, our plastic didn't set fast enough. So they all stuck together, and Mr. Stokes ended up with dozens of solid blocks of 500 anoraks nobody could separate. <laughs> yes, I've still got most of them. I've had a bloke working for a month trying to store them up into small bits so we can get them out the doors. Five hundred? Well, you could find five hundred people who wanted to be close to each other. <laughs> or perhaps we could make novelty weatherproof paperweights or something like that. There's about half a million of them. So all we need is half a million people who have their desks in their gardens. <laughs> How about uh, door stops for people who live in incredibly damp houses? Stop wriggling, Father. We've already paid Mr. Stokes' compensation. Well, I suppose that's something. It is, but I have a sneaking suspicion he's got another problem now. Yes, as a matter of fact, I have. Well, what is it this time? Self-destructing deck chairs? Or constantly collapsing nylon tent poles? Oh, no, it's nothing like that. Thank goodness. Shouldn't you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't you be inhaling something? With a rather dirty towel over your head. Or shouldn't you be copping a tablespoon of some ghastly muck three times a day? No, no, it's all right. I've been inoculated and it should start working soon. I hope. And I pity your hooter, it must be red hot. <laughs> now, what we're interested in, Sir Charles, is your company's polystumer wash basins and baths. We've fitted quite a few of them in our caravans, and they've been highly successful. Good! Polystumer is an invention of ours, of course, quite revolutionary. We make it out of decaying... Well, perhaps it's not advisable to give away trade secrets in mixed company. <laughs> It seemed to us that if a polystumer bath can be made to contain water without leaking, it should be possible to float it in water without leaking. Yes, well, forgive me if I appear to be singularly obtuse, Mr. Stokes, but just how many of your customers in the camping world make a habit of floating about in baths? <laughs> it must be a jolly odd lot. Oh, no. No, no, that's not quite what I meant, Sir Charles. I was thinking more of a, a polystumer speedboat. Oh, like sticking out board motor where the tap should be. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, look, it's... it's it's not like that relax, at all. Relax, Mr. Stokes, relax. I think Father is fighting a delaying action while he works out if there's any way he can pinch the idea. 
That's a lie. As far as I can see, there isn't anyway. <laughs> well, naturally, we're hoping the British United Plastics will come in with us on the manufacture of the prototype. Oh, short of lolly, are you? Well, I, I, I don't see why not, do you, Frank? Not yet. But when it all blows up in your face, kindly remember that it was your idea, not mine. Oh, I don't think you need worry. We're certain this project should be an enormous success and make a fortune for everybody. Are you sure you wouldn't like a high-powered lozenge? <laughs> or, a, or a quick gargle? I've got an old sock you could tie around your neck when you go to bed. <laughs> now, Mr. Stokes, this will obviously need a lot of investigation by our technical department. Well, we have drawn up a preliminary design. Well, that should, that should save an hour or so. Give my son a ring in a week, and he'll let you know the result of his research and whether he's prepared to recommend to the board and myself that we should go ahead. I knew it. I knew I'd end up in the proverbial. If I lose the company so much as fortunes over this, I'll be exiled to Elba for the rest of my pup. <laughs> Very probably, so see you don't. Morning, Edith. Oh, good morning, Mr. Benson. I understand Sir Charles has called a meeting at the director's. That's right, Mr. Benson. The others are all in his office already. Except Mr. Coggins, of course. Oh, dear. What's happened to poor old Coggins this time? He phoned just now and sent his apologies. He's in Eastbourne. Eastbourne? Yes, I'm afraid he's caught the wrong train again. He thought it was going to London Bridge. <laughs> you know, he really ought to retire. Oh, I don't know. He's getting better. Last time he caught one to Plymouth. <laughs> Three days before we got him back from there. Oh. And he did bring us all back a stick of rock. Yes, mine was lettered Rill. Where did yours come from? Swanage. Yes. <laughs> must be the only man in the company who can do 500 miles trying to get to his home in Sevenoaks to here. Quite. Shall we go in, Mr. Benson? It's not advisable to keep Sir Charles waiting. By all means. I don't think seven to one's a bad price at all, but I'm jumping. Ah, here we are. A meeting to order, please, gentlemen. Come along. Eyes down. We've got a full house. That's more like it. Now, Edith, Edith, sit next to me, please. Well, if it's all the same to you, Sir Charles, I think I'd feel safer sitting over. Ow! Now park on it and shut up. Sir Charles, I really must. No, you mustn't. <laughs> you should have thought of that before. Excuse me, Father. No, and that applies to you as well. Now, <laughs> gentlemen, I have asked you here this morning to discuss the new Polystumer speedboat project. Carry on, Frank. Thanks very much. Well, gentlemen, in association with the Stokes Company of Comfy Campers Limited... What? Uh, Stone me. Comfy Campers Limited? Uh, if I'd known that was the name of his blasted firm, I'd have scrubbed around the whole thing. Right. Anyway, our technical department has now produced a polystumer boat shell, and they are at present fitting an outboard motor to it. When can we hope to see the blasted thing in action? I've arranged a demonstration for this afternoon, Father. This afternoon? Where? In our back garden. Eh? <laughs> I've got a clearance for a trial run in the Thames outside at three o'clock this afternoon. Have you? I'll take six to four, it belts straight down the river and knocks seven kinds of big dust out of the Woolwich Ferry. <laughs> it better not. Why, have you got shares in it? No, but the government have got shares in British United Plastics. Don't remind me. They keep copying Surtex off me at the same time as they're copying a divvy off the company. <laughs> That's why I've invited some observers from the Ministry of Defence down to watch the trials at the same time. You what? 
Are you out of your tiny distorted think box? Not at all. <laughs> if it works, we could pull off a big order for polystumer landing craft for the army. Oh, delusions of grandeur, polystumer landing craft. I can see it all now. If the blasted thing works, we shall be meeting the next budget on our own. If it goes wrong, we shall have to go into voluntary liquidation. Uh, with <laughs> respect, Sir Charles, uh, I think your son's shown a lot of initiative. Uh, if the trials are a success this afternoon, uh, I think we should seriously consider making a takeover bid for Comfy Campers Limited. Over my dead body, Mr. Benson. British United Plastics is not going to be party to flogging soggy holidays to the masses. If they want to pump themselves purple over their precious stoves and catch bits and pieces of themselves in the zips of their sleeping bags, they can. <laughs> we are not going to encourage the idiots. I thought you liked the open-air life, Sir Charles. He does. Seen through the window of a luxury hotel. <laughs> and preferably through the bottom of a brandy glass. Ah, I'm glad you brought that up, Frank. They're open. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting adjourned, gentlemen. See you down at the river for the trials at three o'clock. Now, where's that fool Coggin? I'm sure it's his turn to buy the wallop. Everything ready for the trial, Simpson? Well, uh, as far as we can tell, Mr. Frank, uh, boats are a bit out of our line in the uh, ablutions department. Pardon? Well, we're more used to designing baths and wash basins uh, and... Quite, uh, quite, yes. Yeah. Well, as this is such an important demonstration, I think I'd better drive her. So give me a shout when you're ready to launch her. Huh? Oh, very good, Mr. Frank. And good luck, sir. Thank you, Simpson. By the look of my father, I'm going to need it. I see you, Frank. How much longer are we all going to have to stand around here? We look like a, a bunch of overdressed beachcombers. Won't be long now, Father. I'm glad to hear it. With all the boards standing about here on the embankment, our competitors will think we've been evicted. <laughs> Father, Simpson is just about to launch the boat now. Oh, oh, that's, that's it, is it? Oh, that's it. Well, it looks all right, but does the blasted thing work? That we shall shortly find out. I'm just waiting for the Ministry of Defence Observer to arrive. Oh, this could be him coming now, Mr. Frank. Could be. Bowler hat. Oh, look at him. Briefcase, umbrella, subdued suit, sensible shoes and a completely vacant expression. <laughs> could be. It must be one of Harold's heroes. <laughs> Just the tiniest bit late, you chaps. <laughs> Got held up at the office? What happened? Were you stock-taking? <laughs> Found yourself a battleship short or a tank over? <laughs> oh, no, no, not exactly. Oh, man, the uh, tea and bun trolley lady was late. <laughs> oh, my heart bleeds for you. Well, now that your inner man has been settled, perhaps we can all stop hanging around here like a wedding group waiting to be photographed and get on with the demon blasted station. Ready when you are, Father. Well, then get launched, get launched. I want to get back to my office. There's a draft here. Yes, there is, isn't there? Perhaps somebody's left the Tower Bridge open. <laughs> <laughs> They'd lowered it on me. <laughs> if anything goes wrong with this demonstration, my boy, I shall lower something on you from an enormous height. <laughs> I get on with it. Certainly, Father. Uh, lower the boat into the water, Mr. Simpson. Very good, sir. If you just get aboard first, I'll swing you over to the side with the crate. Right. <laughs> Carry on, Mr. Simpson. Excuse me, Mr. Charles, but. Uh... 
Howell's a rather unusual design, isn't it? Well, not to us it isn't, as a matter of fact, no. I gather that Simpson and the rest of the technical twits in his department used the mould that we use for making polystumer baths, you see, and then they adapted it. Don't be so flaming eager, Simpson. You nearly soaked me several row nutty shooting, then. Never mind, you blasted suit. Get on with it. Right. Here we go, then. Come along. Well, he wasn't long, was he? Hey, what's happening? I've got water on the knee. You're sinking, son. I realise that you're the captain, but I shouldn't bother to go down with the ship. The blasted thing isn't worth it. Simpson, you great nada, this is your fault. Oh, mine, sir. What have I done? When you adapted the mould for the bath, you forgot to fill the flaming plug <laughs> Swim for it, my boy. And if you tell me to come on in because the water's fine, you'll be wasting your breath. Shall we adjourn to my office, gentlemen, for several snifters and a bit of a rethink? <laughs> well, here we are again, gentlemen. Same bit of river, three days later. Same pile of... Look the other way, Edith, will you, for a moment? <laughs> Frank, uh, come over here a minute, will you? Now then, before you go for your floatabout Mark II... Has that Twit Simpson bunged up the plug all this time? We'll soon know, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> I trust you've brought a spare suit to change into this time. I have. I mean, yes, I mean, we can't have you standing around in front of the company's boiler in your unmentionables while your suit is drying out. Very bad for your image, especially with your figure. <laughs> oh, 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 my figure. Uh, who's talking? It is, it is possibly, but I don't go dunking myself in a load of dirty drink, do I? <laughs> My word, you were powerful when you squelched out ashore, you know. <laughs> I don't know what it was you were swimming in, but you should have swum round it, not through it. <laughs> if someone had had the decency to rescue me, it mightn't have been so bad. Rescue you? Rescue you? I paid for you to have swimming lessons when you were 12, didn't I? I've waited quite long enough to get me money back. <laughs> yes. I suppose if I drowned, you'd have sued my instructor. Naturally. <laughs> naturally. An investment is an investment, you know. Unfortunately, he's dead. He was drowned last week. <laughs> Stop messing about, Frank. Get on with the second demonstration. Well, we're waiting for Mr. Bond from the Ministry of Defence again, Sir Charles. Oh, are we? With any luck, his tea and bun lady has run him over with a blasted trolley. <laughs> I'm afraid not, Sir Charles. Here he comes. Apologies all round again, old man. I got held up. PM's changed his policy. Changed it? How the blaze is Kenny? He never had one in the first place. <laughs> Come along, Frank. Off you go. Certainly. Hard luck suit. Here comes another load of gurgle, gurgle, splosh, yuck. <laughs> well, everything should be all right this time, Mr. Frank. Uh, ready to lower the boat into the water when you are. Thank you, Simpson. I was afraid you would be. Lower away. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I, I must apologise for the minor debacle last time, but our technical department have overcome the slight faulty design this time. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Off you go, Frank. Don't be too long. There's cricket on the telly in half an hour. Ah, that's more like it.
In it? Wait a minute, what the hell's happening? He's three foot above it. <laughs> hey, Gibson, what have you done on airborne? Frank, bail out, for pity's sake, bail out before you go into orbit. <laughs> Hard luck, Frank, suit. What's the matter with it? The glass of thing is too light. Look out, it's coming back our way. <laughs> Miss... Possibly. I have an awful feeling that it's seen us. <laughs> now where's it gone? Across the river. And it's heading straight for the houses of Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Harold. Pardon, Barbara! <laughs> I wonder how long it'll be before it settles and somebody can swat it. I don't know, but that didn't do Westminster Bridge any good at all. <laughs> Sir, it's going to be terribly annoyed. Look out! <laughs> And <laughs> British United Plastics with it, probably. Now, wait a minute. It must have just run out of fuel. Richard thing's still afloat. Yes, but have you noticed something? There's not a mark on it. Gentlemen, I think we'd better adjourn to my office again for a few more snifters and another rethink. Hey, don't let me interrupt you, but would somebody throw me an ambulance? <laughs> Frank, come out of that water at once. You're not due to start your holidays until next month. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> right, meeting to order, please, gentlemen. Sir Charles does the chatting. Now then, as you know, we've all examined the boat, and in spite of bashing Big Ben and walloping Westminster Bridge, there isn't a mark or a dent on it. There is on me, but I'd hate to tell you where. <laughs> well, I've got some ointment in my handbag, Mr. Frank. It's very good. Would you like me to rub some on for you? Yeah, no, <laughs> Not unless we both want to end up in one of the Sunday papers. <laughs> oh, do stop all this sex talk. This is important. <laughs> it would seem that in Paul's tumour we've produced an indestructible material. You have indeed, Sir Charles. And, as we were saying earlier, it could be invaluable to my ministry. <laughs> as long as we don't take any low-flying boats with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I'm sorry about this, Mr. Stokes, but I'm afraid this rather lets comfy campers out. Oh, I fully understood, Sir Charles. It was just an idea. Mr. Stokes cubs up with the boulder tide. He's got a billiard off them. You know, I'm sure she should be swigging something disgusting after me. <laughs> Am I to understand that I don't have to tender my resignation? At least not until I get my suit back from the boiler room. Oh, I think you look very fetching in that blanket, Mr. Frank. Do you? <laughs> I think he looks like an underfed cab horse. <laughs> anyway, he won't have to resign because I gather from Mr. Barnes that once we have the information from our computer as to why polystumor is indestructible, his ministry may well place a large order with us. That is correct, yes. From what I've seen, polystumor could well be ideal for, um, armoured cars, um, tanks, so on. Particularly as it's so light. Boardroom, and I'm afraid we're having a meeting at the moment, so could you ring back a little bit? Uh, no, 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 it, it, it's Mr. Sidney Potter here, computers. It's about the information Mr. Charles requested. Oh, one moment, please. It's Mr. Potter of the computer room for you, sir. 
Oh, he's got the blasted thing to work at last, has he? Hello, Sir Charles Boniface here. What's the electronic answer? Can anything bend or break polystumor? Well, I wouldn't be knowing, Sir Charles. Unfortunately, your previous questions have completely filled me computer's memory bank with sportsmen. Sportsmen? What? Well, the only information I could get from it was that Fred Perry should beat Bonnie Austin in the finals at Wimbledon this year. Bottling <laughs> <laughs> on fire, and this time I mean it. <coughs> I've never heard so much. Of <laughs> 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 all the half of his stupid. <laughs> bless you. Never mind. Bless me. Blast her. I knew it. I knew she was contagious. <laughs> Get her out of here. She's a mobile germ factory. It can't be me. I'll be inoculated. You'll be thumping the other thumping time more painful. <laughs> well, don't stand there all of you. Ring Harley Street. I want a smitten <laughs> No, I won't. I want dozens of them. Let your bearers. Jimmy Edwards, Frank Thornton, and Gwen Cheryl have been cruising on the river with the big business lark written by Laurie Wyman. Jimmy Edwards was Sir Charles Boniface, Frank Thornton was Frank Boniface, Gwen Cheryl was Edith Chalmers, Potter was played by Nigel Graham, Stokes by Alexander John, and Phoebe by Elizabeth Morgan. The show was produced by Alistair Scott Johnston. (laughs) 